0: Um, yeah. and so yeah I came up with this idea I quit my job and I set out to walk these trails and what didn't go to plan was I got three trails in out of 15 and full on face planted, lack of a better phrase, uh, with my mental health
1: Welcome to episode 18 of the Distance Hike podcast. I'm your host Matthew and it is as always really really nice to borrow your ears for the next hour and a bit while I share my discussion with another great guest with you. Today's guest needs no introduction. I have got Abby Barnes on the show. Yes, Abby Barnes. I can't believe I am she was sharing an episode of Abby. I think she's just wonderful and we had such a nice chat together. We had such a great conversation and I really think you'll enjoy the show. I want to get right into the show but first I am going to of course do a quick introduction just in case some of you are not aware of Abby Barnes or may have heard of her before but not really familiar of what she does. So Abby is an adventurer. The founder of spend more time in the wild youtuber and a speaker and she is an all-round genuinely lovely person we had such a lovely chat about her background and how her interest in the outdoors developed from an early age and transformed into a way a way to cope with some difficult experiences and eventually her career as well we talk about how she turns her experiences into great video content how she overcame a fear of water and we talk a bit about our relationship with technology and, of course, her long distance walking experiences in relation to walking all of the national trails, which really helped to catapult her YouTube career. Also, we finish off the episode by chatting about Abby Bikes Britain, which is a long distance cycling event which uh, took place over 55 days and saw Abby and her partner Anna travel 2,000 miles and battle ill health, chronic pain along the way, and some real twists and turns um, and some big challenges in order to complete the uh, adventure. This now has been released as a three-part film series, which is all available on YouTube at the time of doing this uh, recording. Um, I don't believe Abby's put it behind a paywall, so it's there for you to enjoy as as a documentary. And basically, the adventure involves Abby cycling from Dunnett Head all the way down to Lizard Point, so the furthest points in the UK from each other, uh, while cycling through the 15 national parks and going up the highest peaks. Um, And it was going up the highest peaks, which I thought was great because that was the community aspect where people could join her um, for a kind of a group walk essentially up that peak. Um, And in fact, I think people could join Abby throughout the whole thing, but this was sort of like a center point of her experience where there was you know her community had come together and support her with the walk up these peaks anyway um the documentaries are fantastic and i urge you to watch them um but for now here is our episode with abby barnes i really hope you enjoy it let us know if you enjoy it and i'll see you on the other side i'm trying not to be a bit starstruck talking to the the abby barnes you've been just in my my, yeah of course yeah like so I've known about you for forever um I'm gonna I'm gonna talk a little bit before I I, I start asking you questions so I found out about you when you were doing your uh national trails which was
0: a while ago now wasn't it I guess yeah that was a while ago
1: (laughs) yeah um yeah at the time I, I was working for one of the walking holiday companies um and obviously you were very much on their radar as you know i guess the first young person who was actually walking trails because at the time it was very much a reserve of you know retirees Mm. um, at least those who spoke about it so somebody you know you were young and you were enthusiastic and it was fun and you're creating these videos and it was fresh and new and i thought oh you know you're rocking it like that what you were doing looked really really awesome and then uh, I've just kind of obviously kind of followed you since, and you've you, you've you know grown into this uh, you know, I don't know outdoor star that everybody everyone know, everyone knows, Abby Barnes. And I'm sure you know that you get recognised when you're out and about on the hills. You must do, but yeah, um, I get it. Yes, yeah, so it's nice, to, nice to meet you, and nice to actually do you. Yeah, go go with that. So how? Okay, so <laughs> an average walk out on a Sunday, or you know wherever you might be going, uh, you know walking. How how often do you get recognised? <laughs>
0: It doesn't matter if I'm walking or not, if I'm in <laughs> Ikea, if I'm queuing for the toilet oh, really? poster, like I've had it. I've been recognised everywhere these days. So. Wow. And, and also if people <laughs> if people are too shy to come and say hello, I will inevitably get home yeah. to a message on Instagram or Facebook or something saying, oh, we saw you, you here, like wasn't yeah. sure if it was you or I was a bit too nervous to come and say hi. Yeah. And it is quite nice because it's like... Uh-huh you just sometimes Mm. sometimes it gets a bit overwhelming um it's something I'm still really like learning I love it I love it when people come and say hello yeah but there's times where it's like I don't know I'm just down in Exeter or something me and my partner going out for lunch and it's then it's like someone comes up and you're just you're just not expecting it because you're not in like work mode if that makes sense um Mm. but no I have just got back from walking the West Island Way actually and that's one of my most watched videos and I can't even describe to you (laughs) like like it sounds like I'm exaggerating, but every single person and walked fast came and said hello. And it's the same when I was in the lakes earlier this year as well. Like I got out of the car Mm -hmm. after a really long weekend um at the National Outdoor Expo. And I'd like, right, I'm gonna drive to the lakes, just do a couple of days shooting up here and just breathe. And I got out of the car and it was like boom, like everybody and it's like okay oh my gosh. right That's yeah. just take a deep breath this <laughs> i'm very new to this you don't wake up yeah. and this just happens like but it kind of seems to be that yeah. way for me right? because we're coming out of covid um so it or we yeah. were out of covid rather so it is a bit of a yeah. wake up and this has just happened
1: <laughs> I, I guess then what well, i think it is everyone um watches youtube videos for their favorite trails reviews and i think because we've had so much time to do that over the last couple of years just to you know scroll endlessly um, particularly around your interests that your face is gonna appear at some point on somebody's phone or laptop so therefore you are gonna be widely known because of that and you know everyone's gonna have would have lived vicariously through your videos when they can't go and do it themselves so I'm not surprised. I mean, does that attention sit well with you? Like, is it something that you naturally are quite kind of? You would be quite cool with, or is it something you have to kind of really dig deep to to, to cope with?
0: Overall, um, super chill. I love it. It's really nice. Like, it, it it's not. Yeah, it's cool. nothing. I, cool. It doesn't feel like it's about me, and that's what's really important. Like, I'm I'm yeah. somebody who's very conscious of the ego. And I never want it to be about the ego. It's not. For me, it's about, oh my gosh, like this person has found their brave to come and say hello to somebody who's technically a complete stranger. And in their honesty, like very often people are so authentic and kind and they're like, you know, you've helped or inspired Mm -hmm. me to do this, that or the other. Or, you know, people, I get glimpses into people's lives that you just wouldn't ordinarily, if that makes sense. And it's a very humbling Mm -hmm. experience. And I always want to remain humble but I can't deny there are times where it does get a little bit ch- tricky, particularly when people just don't quite recognise the boundaries thing. Like I was um I was sat eating by myself <laughs> yeah. in a restaurant the other day, or so on the phone, hmm. and somebody came over and was like trying to interact with, with me and like I'm on the phone and I'm eating, and yeah. it was just a bit like, okay, like listen, you just can you come back yeah. in fifteen minutes sort of thing. <laughs>
1: um yeah. so there's times there's, and places, time and a place, isn't there? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but that's 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 great though i mean that's it says that you're um you're you know reaching the right people your your message has been shared far and wide which is really what you want isn't it
0: absolutely now, you know it's I, i'm it's... gonna
1: jump into mm.
0: i'm sorry <laughs> i think no, there's a sorry, carry on. lag here, isn't no there, sorry. Right. <laughs> there's,
1: there's yeah there is a bit of lag there was i did a recording a couple of days ago and there was i don't know where, if it's my internet but um yeah so um I'm going to jump into some of my questions, if that's all right. Yes, do um, it. So with all of my guests, I like to go back to the rewind to the very start. Um, I'm aware that you've done this on a lot of other podcasts. The story is undoubtedly not going to be new to anyone who's aware of you, but it might be new to people who have not heard of you before, or not listened to any previous things that you've spoken about. So um, in terms of your like beginnings in terms of how you interacted with the outdoors, where was, where, can you identify a start for that, whether it's childhood or a particular place in your life?
0: I think childhood is definitely the best place to start. Um, You know, my, the family I was brought up in, uh, two, obviously two parents um, and two younger brothers, so I was the oldest. Um, You know, we were very outdoors and active. And when I say active, you know, walking was the primary thing, but we go for cycles um, on local cycle paths. Uh, you know, before we could even cycle, we were in the carrier or then we were on the back of the bike, or actually we progressed to the like tandem thing, and then we had our own bike. Like it was the entire progress, um, or process rather, and the same wow, with the yeah. walking. Um, and it was just very much a part of who I was. Not that I was even consciously recognized it as a thing. You just don't when you're a kid, do you? You just do what your family wants you to do. Um, yeah. although a couple of my brothers did try to rebel at points whereas I sort of embraced it. And um okay. it was really uh <laughs> Actually, my sort of consciousness or the consciousness around my interaction with nature became a thing when my school life, which was always always runs as a parallel when you're a child, um, was proving really challenging and difficult. So I ended up going to six schools because I was, I, I was bullied um, very badly at every single school. Um, I, I could fit in, you know, in a sense that I was that kid that, you know, how kids mm. have their groups of friends like I would flutter between the groups, but I never had a sense yeah. of belonging. And yeah. I, the hat that yeah. I, everybody knows that I wear, um, I've worn since I was 11. So, you know, I've not shied away from sort wow, of standing really? out, so yeah. to speak. It's the same yeah. hat. Um, and you can imagine like that's that puts you on the, the end of a lot of jokes. And also just being, I guess, to use the phrase like quite tomboyish, um, just being very different <clears throat> from the word go made me susceptible for a lot of verbal and a lot of physical bullying. So it wasn't just hands off. It was very much like nasty stuff. And the the saving grace and all of that wasn't home either because that wasn't particularly easy for me. It was nature. And, you know, by the time I was 13, yeah. I had my hands on my first little camcorder. And that's when I started shooting yeah. films. And the reason why was because for my personal fulfillment I wanted to document the transient beauty of nature around us I'm just obsessed with the seasons and how nature never stays still and really getting to know on a more intimate basis the wildlife around my home from the badgers to the foxes to the birds to the wildflowers to the trees to everything and and I built a very strong and solid relationship with where I lived my patch so to speak if you're you're a bird watcher um and that was my safe place. And that's really where my relationship with nature truly began. Um, you know, I was, I was obsessed with rock pooling, with collecting fossils and sticks and learning about rocks. And I just, I, I, I like to ask questions. That's not gone anywhere. I'm a very curious person. I love to learn. And I really propelled that forwards from a very young age. Um, and then the flip side to that as well, when you love something and you learn that something is happening to damage the thing that you love you want to stand up to protect it and so my films very quickly mm. took on a narrative of environmental conservation and actually we all need nature I, we're a I'll part of nature get,
1: <laughs> we do I, yeah and I want to get to that film that you're going to refer to in a minute can okay. I just uh, interrupt if that's okay yeah I just cool. want to go back to something which jumped out at me there mm. um what when you I was bullied and I'm sure a lot of people I know a lot of people were bullied or have experienced bullying at some point in their life, and I was quite severely bullied in school as well. Mm. I did what a lot of people also do, which is try to change myself, try to mold myself, to fit into the a way that stops me getting bullied. and I think that's a a very ordinary thing to do. It's a very normal and natural thing to do. You didn't do that though, by the sounds of it. no you I didn't. seems to me that you stood firm and you were like actually. I'm going to continue to be me, Abby, and you're going to have to accept me regardless. What What do you feel was different about you that you you actually were able just to hold your ground from such a young age, where it's so easy at that age just to go, "This is really difficult. I'm just going to switch it up and just you know t- change my clothes and just change the way I talk and pretend to be somebody else." Why Why do you think you didn't fall into that so easily?
0: I think one of the things that set me apart as a young person was my very high level of self awareness um and actually i suppose this Mm. brings me on to the story of the hat because that was the pivotal moment in my life where i I chose my identity exactly so basically i i was sort of trying to fit in like trying as a sense Mm. more not not in a visual way like certainly not in how i dressed or anything but just in how i interacted um you know how it goes with Mm. kids and stuff and you know, I was really, I really enjoyed skateboarding. I was probably like a skater kid, you know. But it just wasn't quite sitting right because it's like, okay, you can skateboard, but not have to like dress this way and act this way and whatever. You can still be you and true yeah. to you. And I felt very quickly like I have a very strong sense of when I'm veering off a true path or a path that's true to myself. And I remember my dad and I were in, were in a shop, and uh, I was just trying on hats for a laugh. And I put this hat on, and it was one of the most Vivid moments of my life where I put it on, and I don't really know how to describe it. But I knew there and then that I had a decision to make. I had to decide whether to live for others or whether to live for myself. In a sense of you know the values and and why am I here? And I don't sure. think we bought the hat straight away. I'm pretty sure my dad went back and got it for me because I said, "Actually, I really do want that hat." Like it's a big amount of money for a kid. You know, forty five quid. I remember this, <laughs> and um. Yeah. basically i went for the hat and then i wore the hat every single day since and that was the first time and the only time that i've ever needed to really stand firm in my identity so i've never needed to be anybody else except mm-hmm. me and my hat is my courage cloak in order to do that because it you know what That's i still awesome. feel uncomfortable yeah. with the hat at yeah. times. you know it's like it's different it is really? different. Um, but yeah, it is. I don't yeah. notice it until I'm in a situation where I feel like, oh, maybe I should be thinking about my hat because this isn't appropriate, but it's like, no, it's hmm. a part of me. Like it's somebody else's problem, not no, mine. It's, it's <laughs> you. Yeah. Mm.
1: That's, that's amazing. That's such a lovely story. And is it, uh, the same hat as well that you've had
0: it is all these years? the same hat. Wow. The original hat.
1: That's remarkable. That's all good, years uh, so it must be a good sweat. quality hat because it's still... It... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, i thought sure only it's yourself who actually wants to wear it as well. Yep. Uh, <laughs> um, well, this must be a high, high quality. What brand of hat is it? So no. Um that, that's, that's brilliant. I'm really glad I asked that because I I wasn't aware of the answer to that. And uh, I, I, you know, it's the uh, the it's the elephant in the room, isn't it? It's so so much about you is actually, you know, in terms of you are self you you are very self-aware and that's very evident, and that story really kind of bring brings that to life. So now, in terms of your access to the outside, um, I'm going to go straight to the uh, film, actually, because I think that's the really, that's a really pivotal thing for you, wasn't it? That mm-hmm. film you decided to do. Can you talk about this particular film?
0: So this the film. The environmental one with yes, the palm Yes, yes, Palmer. that's the one, exactly. Yeah. Um, you know yeah. the one I mean, yeah. I uh, know exactly the one that you mean. I don't know, is it still on YouTube now? Have you been able <laughs> to find it?
1: I've not been able to find it, no, okay. no. That's good.
0: <laughs> um no so basically <laughs> uh i i read a book uh, by a children's author called michael mofergoe um called running wild that was the book and it basically followed the story okay. of a mum and her son going on holiday to i believe it was borneo and basically the the boxing day tsunami mm. happened it's very tragic and i remember being quite traumatized by that chapter but essentially his mum ends up disappearing and the boy ends up in the jungle very far away from civilization and people. And he ends up looking after two baby orangutans. He didn't understand why they were by themselves. Mm. And the story evolves and he emerges from the jungle into this clearing. And what he can see is hundreds and hundreds of acres of palm trees. And the story tells Hmm. the reader about the issue of palm oil and more importantly, the unsustainable production of palm oil. The debate of whether you can even get sustainable palm oil is a full on debate. Let's not go there. But palm oil, if you're unfamiliar with the the term, is an edible plant oil, um, originates from Western Africa. And these days you can find it in food, cosmetics. It's pretty much everything. It's not just palm oil in terms of the name. It's got lots of different names and brandings. Um, in terms of how it's processed and used in products but it's everywhere and the issue with palm oil is that in order to have to produce it in particularly borneo and indonesia and currently it's evolving or moving to south america as well is it's got slash and burn of the rainforest that obviously threatens endemic species so those are species that are native to that place and only that place of indigenous people to so their homes um, it's just a huge amount of corruption environmental devastation is just nasty stuff and i was made aware of this at the age of 13 i had to do something about this (laughs) um so i turned the camera around rather than just filming the foxes and the badgers i filmed myself and i talked about how i felt about this and how unjust it was Mm. and how i didn't understand why we didn't have a choice to even know whether a product that we were buying had palm oil in my main point was that it wasn't labeled at at this time when you know when i was made aware of this Hmm. issue and i ended up off the back of that video which ended into a children's film competition highly recommend if you've got kids get them to do that because it can really take you places um and i ended up going to the european parliament to speak about the the issues of the unsustainable production of palm oil and how important i felt it was that it needed to be labeled um and then a couple of years later the laws were changed and now that is why you can see palm oil in products, um, in the ingredients label. I played a part in that that role in speaking up for the I'm people. Sure. <laughs> um, and that's really where it began for me, you know, just live filming myself that's, and yeah. ranting.
1: <laughs> that's amazing. That, I mean, that's a really interesting start to a career and a, I guess a really big boost in the right direction. Do you think had you, if you hadn't had that initial boost that... You would have gone in a slightly different direction or do you really think that propelled you in terms of that motivation to really kind of dig your heels in and go actually this this is something i want to do i think that's that's a
0: really good question i think my answer to that would be if i hadn't made that film i would still be on a very similar path but i wouldn't have the fire and the belief in the inner fire that i have that i have now because basically I always wanted to hmm. create films and film wildlife. I wanted to be a filmmaker a presenter. That was this I was on that path. But what this taught me from the word go is that I can do that without needing to suck up to someone else, if that makes sense. So, and, you know, I yeah. ended up doing a little bit of work with the BBC and stuff when I really, when I was quite young, but I also learned, I don't need to do that because my voice is my hmm. biggest power, you know, um, yeah. And so I, I've just stuck with that really and ended up setting up my own, my own gig and <laughs> here we are today.
1: <laughs> and how is the, uh, in terms of the gig itself, this is your full time thing now, isn't yeah. it? Making films for a living.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, and I, I'll, I'll touch on this quickly because I'm personally interested in it. Um, so, uh, uh, wait, this is long distance hiking podcast, but I frequently get sidetracked by my general interest <laughs> in people I'm speaking to. Um, so, uh, obviously, yeah, this is your full-time gig. Now, what, what, what do you, um, do in terms of filmmaking? Uh, Do you make, are you making films for others? Are you generally making films for yourself? Is it uh, a mixture of sort of YouTube income, which I'm assuming isn't loads, um, you know, making films, merchandise kind of sales. What, how, what does it look like in terms of your, 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 uh, how you make a living essentially? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm very very happy to share that. Mm. amount of things going on and I think it's just super interesting that you've managed to kind of craft a living out of your passion which so many people I think want to do but it's just not interesting to know how what your kind of experience of that is.
0: No that's that's a cool question so you know I should clarify filmmaking is not the primary source of income so I run now my own organisation which is called Spend More Time in the Wild Um, The goal of the organization is to inspire and empower people to get outside for mental and physical health and to build meaningful connections with the natural world and with each other. So there's a few key parts there. And essentially anything around that is involves my job. Um, So I'm steering the company. It's a flipping big ship that I'm not qualified to steer and I'm totally winging it, but it's going okay. (laughs) Um, And the filmmaking is part of that. (laughs) So I have the YouTube channel and I always want to create content that is free for people. I'm never going to charge people for stuff like just did a massive expedition last year, really tried to work out how to raise funds. I was like, we're not charging for this. This is going online. So YouTube is one of those elements. That's where most people have heard of me. There's the podcast that I run, uh, the One Wildlife podcast. Mm -hmm. I have a store in which I do collaborations with um, some other people who are sort of on similar paths, but essentially it's all my own products. Um, trying to support small businesses from handcrafted knives um, recycled bottles that sort of things but it's all merchandise essentially um, I do speaking public speaking so I speak around the country uh, to workforces to essentially again um, address their teams and how can they pull together through nature and whatever they sort of want really and and t- tell my own story um, yeah. what else do I do brain there's there's a lot of different aspects. <laughs> oh, and then, of course, I have the mm. community. Um, and I do one-to-one coaching. Yeah. So I'm a qualified personal trainer and a fitness oh, wow. instructor. Um, yeah. I've got my Patreon platform, essentially, which many creators have these days. That's certainly my, my biggest um, source of income, I suppose we can say. Uh, most of it gets fed right back through to wild. But if we're looking at you know chunks of money, that's where most of it comes from. Yeah. Um, and I, yes, yeah, so I, I work with people one-to-one in there um, on a monthly basis and help people take active steps towards achieving their goals so essentially i'm a coach um and that's what i that's, can remember right now at least from what my day-to-days look like <laughs> wow
1: no no that's a great that's great i appreciate the honesty with it as well i mean it's it's uh it's super interesting that you've just managed to you know imagine uh, a, a way in which you can turn what you love into what you do and what the 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 interest that you have and what you love doing obviously isn't Tarnishing, how am, I, how am I? So, I want to say something. So, a lot, I think a lot of people will, will find uh, something they enjoy and then turn it into something they professionally do. Mm. And often that can tarnish then the thing that you loved in the first place. That's obviously mm. not the case for you. You're so all in with this that you've managed to really create this into your entire life. And I think that comes across. So, no, thank you so much for sharing that. That was I'm really glad I asked that question. And it was a great reply as well. Now, I'm going to steer it back to long distance hiking if I can. So, uh, as I first said when I uh, when I uh, spoke to you uh, at the beginning of this podcast, uh, I, I found out about you from your walk on all the national trails. Can we uh, go to that? So, where did the idea begin? Where where did that come from, and why walking the national trails as opposed to sort of doing a bike a cycle ride across Britain or, or going abroad and doing a walk? What what was the motives and incentives behind that?
0: I think money, to be honest, it was the cheapest option. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and I think, I think Fair also enough. accessibility, you know, the yeah. UK is pretty easy to yeah. get around um, and it's a nice challenge. Yeah. And the idea, I didn't really know where the idea came from. I think it was just, I didn't know of any other trails other than national trails at that point. And what with there being mm. 15 at the time and it all just being online and really easy to find the information. It just made sense to start with that. Um, so the goal was yeah. to walk all of the national trails, which was two and a half thousand miles roughly in total in a year to film each one and to tell the story of each trail and what made it unique didn't quite go to plan but that was the plan
1: <laughs> what what didn't go to plan then with it
0: well essentially i'd i had been working as a personal trainer for a couple of years and i was on this journey of trying to figure out like what am i going to do like this doesn't this feels right because i'm helping people But it doesn't feel right because it feels so commercialized and it feels so far away from nature. Like, why encourage people to step indoors when all you need to do is walk outdoors and you're going to feel the same? Um, if not better. And
1: was that a personal trainer role just on the gym floor then? Mm,
0: Gym floor. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I do some client work in people's homes and things and I'd always drag them outside. Um, (laughs) Yeah, essentially. And then spinning classes, boxer size, that sort of thing, which were always good fun. And there's a time and place. I'm not shunning that at all. Um, but it just, it wasn't connecting again. Like I said, I have a very strong compass. Like when I'm off path, I know it. Um, (laughs) and I can't ignore it. It's quite annoying, (laughs) but I had this, this noise and, um, you know, I hadn't been filming much either. And some people are just made to do, but some people are made to be messengers, I think. And I'm one of those people, like I have to be sharing a message. Um, and so, yeah, I came up with this idea. I quit my job. And I set out to walk these trails and what didn't go to plan was I got three trails in out of 15 and full on face planted for lack of a better phrase uh, with my mental health. And that was really okay. where I became very aware of the, the fact that my mental health wasn't or mental illness rather wasn't going anywhere that hiking mm. helped it. It did empower me, but it wasn't the sole answer. Um, okay. And that I needed to be more honest with my mental health journey and that's essentially where wild came from but that's 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 yeah. the beginnings of that anyway
1: okay uh, um so in terms of the uh you were stopped by your mental health was this something that happened on the trail
0: um i think it was the space of the trail that allowed me to acknowledge that i wasn't okay
1: okay and do you, do you mind um you don't have to answer this of course but do you mind it's kind of uh telling me what went went on for you what you went through at that point
0: no, I'm very happy to talk about talk about things. Obviously, I should just say as a caveat that some things I could say could be uncomfortable for some people. Um, but essentially, I'd been struggling with my mental health for a long time. Uh, I didn't even know it because I didn't have the language until I'd finished college. So until I was 18, I didn't know even what mental health was. And it was at college that I'd finally learnt that I wasn't OK um, from the fact that when I was 13 years old, that was the first time I'd actually tried to take my life. And I didn't know that because I didn't have the language for that. Um, And then all the way through school and then hitting up college where I really needed the support and I was struggling with a number of things from self-harm and bulimia, finishing college, getting into this job role, just, you know, trying to keep the head focused. It's like, oh, I need to do more and that's going to numb out the 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 feelings that I don't even have the words for the feelings what am I feeling because I'm feeling nothing and everything all at once and then I hit up this trail and that's what I mean by that face plant because it's just like I can't ignore this anymore because I just need to scream (laughs) um and the hiking wasn't it wasn't cutting it and that's not how that was supposed to go because I was going hiking to fix myself you know
1: (laughs) of course yeah Mm. Yeah. so that's sort of how it was it the space then that you just had to think
0: I think it was. Yeah. And you know, I, I, I'd, I'd applied for university for a number of years and I would got, I got accepted in Oxford, Cambridge, St. Andrews, everywhere. Like every, the world was completely my oyster and it all felt wrong. And you know, things are not okay when everybody's telling you you're successful and you don't feel good. <laughs> um, you know, I was living a really yeah. good life. Like I didn't know where I was going with anything, but yeah, it was definitely the space that just went made me go okay like this this needs looking at and i not even knowing how like Mm. not even knowing what the word help means because also you might you understand you're supposed to ask for help but how do you do that where do you go with that And just feeling completely isolated and alone and desperate and yeah just unable to walk really because i was just completely crippled by my mental space yeah
1: wow wow so that sounded like a really Difficult part of uh, point in your life when it was supposed to be quite the opposite. How then did you get back on the trail and essentially get back get back to being you and w- wanting to feel how you want to feel, which is good about yourself after that, and continue with your challenge. What and also what part did the did the walking then play once you managed to kind of gain a different perspective around it in helping to? heal that mental difficulty you were going through at the time? Mm.
0: Well, I think this is where the truth tends to come out in these podcasts is that I'm still not okay. (laughs) Um, How I was in 2016 is, yes, things have evolved and changed and I've learned a lot, but this is something that is taking me a very, very, very long time to get to the root of and I'm still dealing with it and I'm still face planting on a weekly basis. Um, However... My number one tool for coping is to just keep showing up. And that's what I did. You know, okay, so I got these three trails in. I wasn't okay. I went back. I went back to a PT job, different different gym, you know, and literally all it is, just like the trail, which is why I always come back to it, is the best metaphor for life. It is step by step by step. You're in a valley, you get up the mountain, you're around the corner, it's a gnarly lock side, whatever it is, like we're walking that out day day to day. And so it just kind of happened because I just kept showing up. Opportunities would come. I would take them. I just, you know, I, I I tried to find help. I'm still trying to find help, you know, in whatever way or form that needs to be. I just keep digging in. And, you know, you get to the point where you want to give up. You try and give up. You're still here. You keep going. And so you just keep going. And really, that's that's just that's just that really. Um in 2017 I got my yeah. I did one trip, um, which I'm I'm proud like you have to celebrate every victory, right? You know, I went to Morocco and I climbed two yeah. which is the highest mountain in Morocco in winter. Yeah.
1: Um Amazing.
0: and that was the first time I turned the camera back on. And that was my, yeah, no, this is this is right for me. I do need to do this, but I need to find a way to be more honest. And if I'm gonna be honest, this isn't about me. This needs to be about helping people and bringing people together um, because there is so much power Mm. in nature and time in nature. But we also need each other. And that was where the cog started turning for me that, you know, I'm not one to give up. I'm flipping stubborn and I will turn the worst carnage into something creative. And that's exactly what I did. And I just keep grinding at it every single day and still still going today.
1: So, when you were doing the first three trails before you had your face plant, um, were you feeling at that point like because you were, you were recording those trails as well, weren't you? you were making yeah. videos at that point of those trails. So, were you feeling at that point like you had to put on a a face, or were you uh, were you able to be honest enough about how you're feeling in those videos? And I, bear in mind, I've not seen those particular videos, or how it's a long time since I have seen them. Mm. So what, yeah, what, what kind of message were you putting out in those videos compared to what you then decided to do after you visited Morocco?
0: So the, the project, uh, the National Trails Challenge, as it was called, was purely designed yeah. to document the routes. So I was just the, the, the passenger in which I would communicate the story of the trail. So I would interview the okay. National Trail managers, you know, and it was supposed to be more sort of documentary style. So so, answer your question very yeah. simply yes there was a mask because I was trying to keep it quite professional in the way mm. that one could back then mm. um, and that's what I was finding was not working for me was because I wasn't being honest mm. and true to my experience um, so yeah essentially that's what I was trying to do and this is how I've got to where I am today because I've sort of morphed the things together yeah. so it's more legit and authentic <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah wonderful that's, that's a great yeah. answer um, so uh, after you uh, finished uh, climbing Morocco, uh, mountains of Morocco, you, did you carry on with the challenge after that to try and continue with the uh, remaining 11 national, 13, 12, probably math is not my strong point, uh, or math at all, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, uh, national trails? <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: no, I didn't actually. Um, I just no? decided, what did I get to? So I got to 2018. Um, I think it's important to tell this sort of linearly yeah. to be honest because that's just how it's happened. Um, 2018, I actually yeah. decided to pick a bunch of trails that actually really excited me, um, and that is where Wild yeah, was born right. because that was where it was like let's yeah. do this for the authenticity um, and to share Which my story. Which trails
1: did you choose as well at that point?
0: So I chose. Oh, here we go. Look, uh, West Highland Way was. Oh no, 2018. There we go. Was West Highland <laughs> Way? That was the second time I walked it. It was yeah. the coast to coast. That was the second time yeah. I walked that. It was the uh two moors way which if you're unfamiliar that is exmoor dartmoor sort of the coast to coast down here in the southwest and it was also the great glen way which is in scotland as well so i did those four trails i was the beginning of my solo hiking it was the beginning of everything that was where life began really
1: (laughs) amazing and out of those out of the trails you've walked um a few easy questions here for you which has been your favorite
0: in in total
1: yeah which is your number one trail which one if if you could if you could choose any trail to walk uh and you know you were not able to walk any other trail ever again apart from this one which one would you choose to walk
0: well I think my current count to date was I've done 22 long distance trails and out of that I pretty much without question say the Tour de Mont Blanc it's just yeah it's completely mind-blowingly stunning um if I had to pick the UK though I would go Wayne Rose coast to coast because I really like the variety in that one. Cool. Yeah.
1: Tour de Mont Blanc. What uh, what what's special about it? What draws you in with that particular trail?
0: So I walked that in 2019. That was one of my collection every year. You know, I do a bunch of trails, so to speak. Um, I think partly, and you know, to be completely biased, if you see my film alive, clues in the name made me feel pretty alive. I overcame a lot of stuff on that trail and I think it's just it holds a very special place in my heart like you I always say to people you go on a trail in one particular shape and you never finish in the same shape and it can be kind of tricky because you're a different shape so fitting back Mm. into life can be kind of hard sometimes um but for me I feel like I fit back into life better because of the shape changed into a really good solid structure but if we're looking at the trail itself i just find it's just stunning it's just some of the best parts of the alps walking around the mont blanc massif is a very rewarding experience there's a lot of variety of different routes you can choose so you can really create your own experience on the way itself um there's good food (laughs) good views good animals uh the seasons that you could pick you know obviously perhaps not doing that in the the heat of winter heat of winter that's a phrase isn't it um the cold (laughs) of winter um but you know with the wildflowers and oh my gosh like i could just hark on about it let's just say it's a good (laughs) trail.
1: yeah brilliant sounds good and in terms of like the uh filmmaking that you do while generally doing anything outdoorsy do do you always have a camera with you when you're outside you know generally outside doing a walk or a High core, cool. just whatever you do is it are you just somebody who always has that camera with you or do you find that sometimes you just get burnt out with ha- ha- feeling like you have to be documenting and recording everything
0: yes to both <laughs> um yes i always to have a camera. Oh, okay. yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm a creative yeah. i love to document things i take every opportunity that comes my way i'm useless at saying no um so that's the same for something that requires a snap or a video it's just i don't say no i get it done yeah um, the other side to that is yes I do burn out. I do have creative burnout um, yeah. where I push myself and I'm not present yeah. enough and that's that's the journey I'm currently on is how to work out that balance because I think for anybody who takes their passion and creates a job out of it there is a very fine line where you can lose the passion and if I lose that passion we mm-hmm. lose wild because wild is a completely whole-hearted authentic business organization um, and we can't have that can we so yes um always have a camera I love it I've I never regret filming anything let's just say um but I do regret being less present at times
1: yes Mm. so so having the camera with you is very much a part of the same experience of just being out in this I I guess for you
0: yeah yeah and you know what the bare minimum is I've got my phone Mm -hmm. and I'm actually thinking about like you know you get those like little cameras like I'm used to the big boys at the moment but yeah. you know just getting a little the, one and then I can uh, actually leave my phone at home which would be quite nice because that's part of the, part yeah. of the frustration
1: <laughs> I, I I think yeah I, I as a, I'm one of those people who's increasingly leaving my phone in places like conveniently forgetting it when I go outside
0: yeah
1: or you know not taking it with me to go and pick the kids up from school because mm-hmm. then I find when they're in the park and on my phone not looking at what they're doing so yeah. I think uh, having a, there's a lot to be said about having dumb dumb tech on you instead of yeah. smartphones uh, at selected and mindful times. Not useful all the time because, you know, it's nice to have a, a phone in case of an emergency or something. Yeah. But uh, there's definitely something to be said for that.
0: I think just now, putting it even on flight mode, you know, is a nice little trick because, you know, yeah. as we say, when we're hiking and stuff or, you know, even just doing errands, having a phone, something happens, that's where they're amazing. But um, putting on flight yeah. mode is actually as a visual barrier as well to remind yourself, like, oh yeah, I don't want to be on this, and you know. So yeah, that's we've all yeah. got to experiment with our tools of coping because ultimately we all want to connect more with the life that we're living, don't we?
1: Yeah, and you know, as a lot of I'm not somebody who's uh, who who outwardly criticizes technology because you know it it allows people like yourself to really create something which. You would not have been able to create in this way 20 years ago. Mm. Um, but there is a lot to be said about being mindful and thoughtful about how you use it and using technology in particular in a way that it benefits you rather than you're owned by it mm. and manipulated by it. So that that's where I'm very much with, with technology. Um, and it's very difficult because it's incredibly addictive. <laughs> and... For me personally, when it comes to, say, Instagram, for example, um, I, I don't post anything about myself on Instagram. Um, and the reason is because, uh, first of all, I, I, I often don't find good opportunities to post anything good about myself on Instagram because I'm very busy with what I, a full-time job and doing this on the side and kids and stuff, uh, and I don't share pictures of my children. Um, but also, um, I found when I do go and share things on Instagram about myself, is I, I always do that when I feel most insecure. um and that's personally my experience with it i'm not saying you know everybody who posts stuff on instagram is secure a long way from it but because i'm mindful of that i choose just to not do that at the moment Mm. and that's been very helpful for me because it's made me very aware of of how it actually impacts me so um yeah being mindful of the way you consume i think is really really healthy to to do and it's hard to do too but yeah even if you can start to be mindful it's very helpful but you obviously are i mean you're your online presence is incredibly authentic, and that comes across in spades. Um, so, And I think that's why people follow you and pester you in the, uh, in the streets for a selfie and <laughs> things like that. Well, I, I'm sure I you don't call it pestering. It. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. I, and I, you know what? I think I probably would feel absolutely awesome if somebody came up to me and said, Oh, hey, you're that guy from that podcast. No one not anyone sees my face on there and uh, <laughs> you know, wants a picture. I'm sure that would feel great. So it's, uh, and it's deserving as well. Um, now, I want to uh, talk about something because I um, I didn't realize that you had a fear of, or used to have a fear of swimming until I watched your movie, which is Rise Above the Fear. Um, now, uh, long-distance hiking podcast, as I say, I pre- frequently deviate from the long-distance hiking aspect, but um, uh, I want to go to the swimming thing here. So... Um, at, before that film, you had a fear of swimming, yeah? Yep. Or fear of water? Yeah, that's or both. accurate.
0: Yeah, fear of water.
1: Yeah, okay. Was that a uh, did, w- fear of water? Was there a point at which that started for you, that fear of water?
0: Yes, there was. I nearly drowned whilst whitewater rafting in Wales. <laughs> um, oh, wow. Yeah, I didn't know. Oh, t- Sorry,
1: you, you, you're going to have to share that story.
0: Yeah, absolutely. No, I didn't know that it had a huge impact on me. Um it was just the Whitewater Rafting Centre in Cardiff. We came out and um and nobody mm. knows the severity of how much like how close to just blacking out I was except me because by the time I got pulled back in the boat, like you know, it was just it was, it was supposed to be fun. But like I inhaled a lot of water yeah. and I was really not okay. Um and that's that's the one half of it, and the other half of it is that um i struggled a lot with the coast sort of with my mental health and the things I've sort of, I don't know, gone through, shall we say, with my own personal journey and trying not to be here. So that yeah. sort of amassed to me not enjoying water. Um, i loved water as a kid, you know, we, we'd spend almost every weekend on the beach, sitting in the waves, just splooshing about, you know, living the good life. So it was really that sort of time that, it changed and I didn't know it because you know, obviously, then growing up, didn't really go in the sea much anyway. You just don't tend to be as childish, which I'm really bringing right back into my life now because I miss it. Um, probably really good for I you having so kids, hey? Well. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, I, I I could talk about that for ages the importance of char- being childish, mm-hmm. I, but I'll, I'll, yeah, carry on. I'll, yeah, I won't
0: go. Maybe we'll come but... to that later because it's very important, <laughs> as we say, but um, yeah, yeah, so essentially, um, yes, so it it. it had happened i became afraid of water and basically what i could do to myself in water that's the phrase i use in the film because um, i didn't trust myself and that pull that temptation to just let myself go and just not be here anymore was so big and i wasn't okay i wasn't i'm not i'm never okay being afraid fear is a very natural thing it's very healthy um but not if it overpowers us and it rules us and as somebody who's constantly trying to just experiment with like personal development and facing the fear we decided to do that in a very nice place mm. in Italy
1: <laughs> oh it was Italy was it I, I couldn't work out from the film uh, where it was uh, but yeah I for some reason got the turkey but I just searched no, on the roadside could have been saw, but, um, <laughs> Italy wonderful mm. yeah <laughs> um so uh I, the, the bits I saw were you just sort of pacing around looking at the water just looking terrified genuinely terrified and then you seemed sort of you paddled into the sea a bit and then you sort of submerge yourself into the sea. And then eventually by the end, you were snorkeling around. Now you're a qualified diver as well, an open water diver. So have you through that experience overcome, do you feel the fear of water?
0: Well, actually I should clarify. I was, I was, um, I was 15 when I got my diving qualification. So it was after that, that I got afraid of water. Right. So that
1: was our. Oh, right. It didn't. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, interesting.
0: Yeah okay. no, so it's it's very so funny, isn't really it?
1: Quite it's confident.
0: Flipped.
1: That's ma- that's mad. Yeah. So you're really quite confident with water. So that yeah. that experience really knocked you back.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Exactly. Wow. Yeah. So okay. no, it's it's <laughs> very odd. It's it's very odd. But um, you know what I would say? I'm I'm really on that journey, and it's not it's not about the water. It's about peace with myself. You know, it's about trust. It's about acceptance. Mm-hmm. You know, and. The nice thing about water, yeah. I think, certainly in the UK, at least, you know, we don't have great expanses of wilderness that make us feel small. We can go to the mountains. It's probably going to be other people there. And we can if yeah. we let ourselves feel small. But the ocean makes us feel small <laughs> and we can mm. all access the ocean on this yeah. wonderful island we that we call home. Yeah. And um, yeah, I think I think I'm getting there. I went back in the sea in at christmas um my partner um we're family basically down in italy so we went down there for christmas and uh i I did some very fine doggy paddling which i'm quite proud of actually thank you um so yeah i'm I'm working on it (laughs) and i endeavored to get back in the sea this year and i want to continue my diving qualifications that's very much on my radar um to do this year is to take my advanced paddy um and just just you know you've got to keep showing up for these things so let's do it (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> so you're very much living up to your own values there and just facing that fear and continuing to face that fear you chip away at it yeah yeah that's great now uh childish being young yes. I think that's uh, really glad you mentioned that because I love that this is what I love talking about so was there a point for you where you felt that you were doing quite the opposite of that in your day-to-day life where you're trying to act at a particular age or has just sort of been young and been silly when it feels right to it's been something that's always been quite natural to you
0: you know where I think it comes from for me is identity learning mm. about who you are the core of who you are with everything stripped back away from expectations and prying eyes who are we and I've asked myself that question a lot. You know, I have a lot of time by myself on these trails and dealing and facing fear. You know, when you're right at the edge of being terrified out of your wits, you ask yourself a lot of hard questions, and you tend to get some kind of answer. And you know, my character—I'm a very light-hearted, easy person. When do I live that out? Well, quite rarely, because I'm also living. I, I tend to get quite stressed out. You know, and I'm dealing with chronic pain and my mental mm. illness, like and that's why it's like who am i underneath all of these layers and that's where that childishness came to me in in that sense in that phrase i suppose and for me also you know i I live by faith um originally sort of christian background and you know the the saying that we're all children of god and the best way to live is you know as that child with that curious mind and so all of these things sort of amassed and really you know it's just just like you it's something i'm very passionate about it's just it's just letting go it's being light it's having fun like laughter is the best medicine it's such a cliche but it's so oh, yeah. true and you know for you you know being it's around so kids it's and... easy
1: to forget to do it as well exactly
0: like, it is like we just go through the day and it's yeah. like geez when did I crack a smile man like <laughs> um mm. and yeah it's 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 finding the, the joy in the ordinary things as well. And and this is what it is to live with a childlike mind is to be curious is to be excited. Mm. It is to ask questions and to see things, you know, children are so fascinated by, by the world, puppies, like little animals, everything's exciting. Yeah. And that's something that I think can really benefit us as adults, because like the world is a flipping tough yeah, place to be in, you know, and to bring that, it just brings a level of ease and it makes life so much better.
1: <laughs> yeah, 100%. I mean, I, I, as I've got two two young boys, mm. uh, my, my youngest is three and my oldest is six. So I'm very much at that point, well, they're very much at that point where I get a lot of whys and whats and hows. And prior to having that, I definitely uh, had stopped kind of, being curious uh not not completely but you know more less so than i am now but when you've got somebody who you know you from from on a five minutes you know trip to school they have asked me 10 you know what whys and hows i'm like i didn't even think of these questions mm. and most of them are really stupid questions because kids <laughs> ask stupid things but for them it's a really <laughs> sensible question so it really opens your eyes up to that and then you know do you Kids force you, force me in particular, and this is, you know, my experience too, to do other things. Like, you know, with, with my boys, I, I used to skateboard when I was younger. I'm sure loads of people do. I now do it as an adult. Best yeah. decision I ever made was yeah. to go and pick up a skateboard. Because, you know, I go with my, my two boys on a, on a Saturday morning when there's nobody else there mostly no other kids there apart from me and my kids we go skateboard together so well they go on their scooters and you know we have a skateboard for my oldest and we go skate and it's just amazing and that for me is part of being childish it's child- mm. part of doing the things that you want to do that you like you know may be frowned upon by general society like you know guys my age I'm in my 30s don't skateboard you know even for kids but I you no. Know. <laughs> that's it man yeah they can look yeah at me. <laughs> and that's 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 the wonder of it. And I think it's, it's so important just to do things that make you smile, even if it seems stupid, Like mm. even if you think that oh, someone's going to think this is, this is silly just to do it. And I, I, obvious to me, you do exactly that. And that's awesome. I think more people should do it.
0: Yeah. No, 100 percent. I love that you brought the skateboarding sure. up because I need the extra push to finally buy my board. I've wanted to for many months. So oh, I would take that it. as a hint. <laughs> <laughs>
1: You should so do it. It's it, you're not. You know what? You're not the first uh, person I've spoken to this about. Um, you know, it's surprising how many people do have like a secret hobby of skateboarding. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know, I never thought I'd find myself talking about it on this podcast, but you, you know, you mentioned it earlier on, so you know, here we are. But you know, it is one of those activities that fits into day-to-day life that makes exercise really really fun totally and that's why i like doing it it reminds me of being a young it makes me feel young when i do it uh, even though i look quite the opposite and it's just great fun like there's nothing nothing quite like you know just cruising around a skate park which there's tons of them and they're really good these days as well mm. and they were absolutely rubbish when i you know was you know in my teens learning to do it um and it's a learning experience like you're rubbish when you start you go a day later you're a bit better and you chip away and you're constantly improving yeah and that you can see that progress and it's that's really rewarding and really yeah. a big lesson i think that you know is, is helpful to learn but no you should totally do it get back on it it's uh yeah, my my encouragement to you. Just when you when you put your first video off of you know Abby skateboarding, Abby learning to skate again. Just just tag tag me in it. Say I was your inspiration.
0: Absolutely, I will, mate. <laughs> you
1: but I'll come, I'll come along with you. We could do it together. That'd, That'd be, be awesome. cool.
0: Show me some tricks. Oh,
1: well, I've lost you there for a second, Abby. Oh,
0: I'll be back now. Oh, hang on why is
1: that. You still there?
0: Yep, I can hear you. Are we it's good?
1: Right. I can hear. You. Oh yeah. hey, cool. Yeah, cool. brilliant. Yeah, still here. So, um yeah, um that's pretty much all the questions I had, but I could probably keep on talking and rambling about all sorts of things. Um now I want to if you don't mind, I want to quickly go back to mental health. Now into, uh, you're right. If I go back to talk about mental health, yeah, just a yeah, absolutely. Because I want to try and keep it within now for you, because yeah, we're inspecting your time. But, what would, um, be, what so would be
0: really good for me as well, if you're if you're cool with it, um, yeah. just quickly with the yeah. Abbey Bikes Britain. Yeah. we've got the films coming out in May. Yes, so I'd love to have the opportunity oh, yeah, just sure. to drop that in okay. there um, at some point, and I can hundred percent. Let's with go there. that's the th- walking as well. So yeah,
1: yeah, that, let's go there. Yeah, cool. of course, for sure. Right, so you've got the Abbey Bikes Britain film. This was something you did last year. Uh, it was a, uh, you did it as a series of YouTube videos, didn't you, yeah. if I'm correct, not just one?
0: Yeah. Yes. Yeah,
1: cool. So um, uh, to, what was the, um, and this is totally relevant because, you know, it's it's all about you anyway. So um, what was the motivations behind doing Abbey Bikes Britain? And uh, yeah, where did the idea come from? Let's start with that again.
0: So Abbey Bikes Britain uh, is the name of the project, as you say, we did last year, 2021, basically cycling from Dunnett Head and John O'Groats up in Scotland, uh, down to Land's End and the Lizard uh, in, Southwest via yeah. every single national park. There's 15 national parks.
1: Dunnett Head being the furthest point, isn't it? Yes, Not, it is. Um, as I, as I heard right. on some of talk about podcasts, which yeah. I didn't know this yet.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's it's funny. Good like fact. everyone goes John O'Groats to Land's End, <laughs> and they're just completely ambiguous points. But yeah. Whereas Dunnett Head and the Lizard right. uh, are the most northerly and southerly. So that's why we did that. I just they're so close. You've got to get it done, right?
1: right? <laughs> so. Yeah, of course. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um. So then at every national park, so each that, of the this 15, was a, I'm um, sorry go on
1: yeah so carry on yeah no it's all right you carry on it's the lag on this it's uh it's, it's, a, bit, it's, a, bit, it's a bit awkward but now carry on I'll, I'll shut up for a moment
0: um <laughs> so yeah at each of the national parks the 15 national parks we hiked to the highest point um so cycled between so it's 2000 miles of cycling it took us 55 days with the 15 hikes in there as well uh we worked closely with national parks uk and the the mission the purpose of this was to document our journey to invite people to join us at any stage and to basically to showcase the natural beauty of the UK and how getting out to it, obviously, stick with the theme, can help benefit our mental health and how also the act of giving back of stewardship can help us feel better as well. So the the things were basically get outside for mental health give back to nature and get stuck in with a community of which we were trying to provide an opportunity so that was the basis of Abbey Bikes Britain and we've got a three-part documentary film um, which is going to be on the YouTube channel as I say free for anybody to see to uh, watch all of the drama that unfolded on that on that expedition
1: (laughs) cool so uh, that two two aspects of that I want to touch on are uh, first of all the mental health thing is what was it through this challenge that you wanted? What particular message about mental health did you want, did you want to share? Because it's really easy to say, I wanted to talk about mental health. great. Mm-hmm. What, what aspect of mental health, what message do you want to talk to in particular, like niching down on that, did you want to share with everybody?
0: That's a really cool question, actually. You know, and I think the first I could say is basically adapt and overcome. You know, Everything that I do requires okay. extra Wicked. resilience because of what I have to deal with with my mental health. And just by showing up in the public eye, I'm reminding people that they can, that they are not their mental health, that they can find ways around their quote-unquote disability um, in order to achieve their goals and dreams, even if it looks a little bit different to how they want it to. The second parallel with that is I deal with chronic pain in my back. It's some kind of nerve-brain relation thing. Can't get to the root of it. But nothing's wrong with me. I'm structurally sound. But there's agony every single day. And again, by showing up and by talking about that, and obviously, that knocking my mental space—it's reminding that people, okay, you may have something that's holding you back, but you can find ways through it through community, through you know the right support, and through healthy self-belief. Um, so I suppose that's sort of the the element there, or with regards to the mental health. And for me and Anna, my partner, who drove the support van and who was just the sort of number one trooper of it all, really, I just cycled. You know, she did everything else. Um, we yeah. we both had so much support and healing from the walks that we would run so you know that's where people would come and get stuck in and we would walk between like five to 15 people on each walk and we were so rejuvenated by them so we really lived out that experience of how again community can help you feel like you have a sense of meaning and purpose and quite often mental health struggles come from a lack of connection somewhere whether it's with nature other people meaning and purpose whatever it is and we were sort of isolating those out um in this project and and sharing that through us as the metaphor i suppose um for what that can look like
1: okay that answers my community question as well then and and what uh kind of support did you get from that community did you have quite a big show of people at the points where you were doing the walks
0: We had some people who were mad enough to basically drive around the country following us and walk every single walk with us. It was it was absurd. The level of kindness that we experienced from people, you know, and and generosity. And it has it's 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 been a real pivotal point for Wild as a a business for me as a person. Like I am completely Mm. different off the back of this project um you know in in terms of oh
1: stop there what way are you completely different on the back of it what's the difference that you've experienced in yourself
0: pinning that down into a verbal explanation is very hard but i carry myself so differently you know i went through some seriously tough stuff there both anna and i did the project itself was phenomenal Everything sort of it didn 't run yeah. smoothly as such we came up against very obvious problems. It never does
1: does it no yeah. it
0: doesn't but we we also experienced some very severe setbacks <laughs> that were of a personal nature that we couldn 't plan for couldn't have anticipated like major okay. family situations that we had to sort of deal with on the road, yeah um and some very awful incidences that constantly threatened us to just completely burn out. But we did it and we made it through, but it was through all of that. Like one of those things when you've got just normal life going on is enough for most people. We had six individual situations that were going on whilst on this massive project and you go through this. It's like tunnel vision, you know, and you come out the other side into the big wide world and it's like, whoa, like that has just tested me to the edge of my limits, and I'm still here and I'm still going. So it's like, it's a degree of like, I want to say confidence in a way um, like and self-belief like I still have all the same questions going around in my head but I had to do things that I find really hard and just get on with them despite the anxiety and everything like that because it just had to be done and I think something about that has just it's just it's changed something inside of me like I feel very cellularly that I'm different. Um, and stronger and hmm. my want and desire to keep going is the biggest it's ever been before which can only ever be a good thing right so yeah that's that as i say oh, it's very very hard yeah. to put into words but definitely big yeah. change
1: <laughs> oh, no you did a great job of putting that into words i think anything like that uh you know is 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 really difficult to verbalize and in terms of personal change but you're very eloquent in the way you, uh, you speak about these things and it, com- it comes across really well. So, um, so on, on the back of that project being completed, obviously you've got, the, you've got some videos coming out, some documentaries, it's all free yeah. for people to consume, so there's no paywall up. You, you know, it just, and it invites people into your world. Um, what is it that you hope that somebody who watches these videos and experiences it you know, after the event would get out of it?
0: The hope is that they can look at their life and realise that they can, just like I said before, you know, to actually be able to see the logical steps of where their obstacles and barriers are, where they might be struggling, what's holding them back and that actually they can get through that. They just have to find their own individual and retrospective path. And that is the journey. The other part of it is to help people understand that they're responsible, that we're all responsible as users of the outdoors, we need to be giving back. It's it's not just time for conversation anymore. Like it was time for action yesterday, you know? And what does that look like? Is to give people a very practical toolkit of simple things that they can be doing in order to help give back to the natural world that we love so much. You know, yes, it's all the stereotypical things. Switch off lights, save water, all of that. But it's also so much more than that. This is an attitude, it's a consciousness. It's, it is sacrifices at times. Yeah. It is standing up and being brave at times and saying that's not okay and calling people out. And actually being able to arm people with a community in which they can find the courage to do that and that we can grow stronger together. This is a, this is a bottom-up movement as opposed to top-down. And by pulling together, yeah. we're yeah. just trying to create that ripple ripple effect of change in the mental health field and in the environmental stewardship field because they're so intertwined. When we're contributing to something that's yes, bigger than are. ourselves, yeah. we... Feel amazing, and yeah. I always say to myself, let alone everybody else. Like yeah. when I'm feeling crap, best thing you can do: ring somebody, message someone, do something for someone else or nature, and it's going to take you out of your mm. own space yeah. and into the reality upon which we all live.
1: Hundred uh, I, I, percent. So, do, do you agree with this? Because this is a belief I hold. Uh, my my worry with uh, the the change that's needed on a, on a human level, an individual level, which is then collective, to make a change in the in, in the way our relationship with our planet mm. is gonna be so hard to make happen if people don't look after themselves first. Yeah. Take for example a practicality of the simplest thing you can do, which everybody has access to, recycling. Mm-hmm. When you're tired, you're stressed, you're unhappy, the last thing you're caring about is putting the right bit of rubbish in the right bin. And I've been there before where I just yeah. I can't be bothered. Or, you know, where you you, you have the, the option to go walk somewhere instead of drive somewhere. Or, you know, you, you might, you know, just make de- decisions like where you just don't care whether your lights are on all the time. You know, and that's on a tiny macro level. Um, and I think that when people manage to sort their heads out first, everything comes secondary to that mm. and naturally changes in a way that's positive both for them and everything and everybody around them. Do you agree with that
0: sentiment? 100% I do. And I love that you're having those thoughts as well. I suppose the other thing I would say when you and I, whether for me it's weekly, on that basis of, oh my gosh, I have to do the bins. You know, it's actually, it's reminding yourself, (laughs) I don't have to do this. I get to do this and I get to do Mm -hmm. this because I care. And that is who I am. And so when you're in the pit of stress and carnage and you've got all these life stresses going on, It's actually an ample opportunity to step back into ourselves um, to remind ourselves that we are part of a bigger picture. So I completely agree. You know, it's so intertwined and we certainly need to be taking those steps to look after ourselves and to make decisions that are good for both us and for the planet, because they are hand in hand, the same thing, really.
1: (laughs) Wicked. Yeah. And there's a bit of motivation of somebody struggling to uh, do the recycling. tonight.
0: There you go. We've done our part, mate.
1: we have yeah <laughs> mic drop on me uh, wonderful <laughs> so um, yeah, I, actually I probably will think about that next time I do sort the things out as well so that's some good advice you've imparted them to me <laughs> um oh well, brilliant um I had another question I've completely forgotten what it was oh, um it happens. so yeah it's, uh, it's all right it's a good good place to finish um so now if there's uh, where, where can people find out more about you? I'm sure this question isn't really needed because uh, you just type in Abby Barnes and you, you appear all over the internet. You're everywhere now. But uh, where, it, say somebody wants to get started on their journey of learning more about you, kind of, you know, find about your, your videos. Uh, where can they go to do that?
0: I think that's a nice angle to take if you if you want to sort of get stuck in and you're not sure where because there's a lot of content there now.
1: Sorry, I've just remembered my question. Do so it. I'm going to go back a little bit. Just Crack finish on. On the trails and then yeah. I'll go back to that. Sorry. Um, right, so uh, on uh, on the uh, Abbey Bikes Britain and the uh, the cycling and the walking you did in terms of the actual distances and miles. Um, I mean, this isn't a comparison, by all means. I'm just interested. Um, how what what did that look like? Sort of in terms of the endurance required, how far were you cycling and then how far were you walking? What was the distances involved in that?
0: So the cycling days were anything from 30 to 90 miles a day um they were back to back um big days yeah big days exactly um and then the walking i think the shortest we had was like six miles and the longest we had was 13 miles the goal wasn't to string it out the goal was to get to the highest point um and to have a bit of a community vibe so that's some numbers for you there cool yeah yeah
1: yeah Brilliant. Yeah, cool. Really glad you asked that. Interesting. Okay. Um, so uh, back to where, where can uh, you can tell this is an organized show with a set of... A I'm really enjoying host, this. But, uh, where can people... <laughs> I'm really glad you are. I'm so happy you are. I still have seen a bunch of questions I wanted to ask, but I'm not going to go there. I was going to talk about the outdoor in- industry and stuff, but actually I'll, I'll talk to you about that at another time on a personal level. Um, so uh, yeah, where can people go to find out more about, uh, about you?
0: So, best place for information uh, is spendmoretimeinthewire.co.uk. That's my website. It's got a bit of everything. It's where you can book on walks. If you're interested in having me come to your school or community, um, that's where you can get in touch to book a talk in. Um, and then YouTube is generally the the place people hang out. Um, if you want to listen to me but not actually learn anything about me which is perfectly fine then my podcast is definitely the place to go <laughs> I just encourage people to talk at me yeah uh, which is very nice <laughs> so um, there's a yeah. there's loads nice, to get stuck it? into it is very nice yeah it's it's flips it around yeah. and it's uh it's really nice I don't yeah. know about you but I love that you get to meet such a mixture of people in a way that you probably wouldn't normally
1: that's why I do it there you go yeah yeah that's why I do it it's 100% the reason Is that one reason to do it I just I wouldn't have spoken to you for instance yeah and so many of the people I've spoken to would not have these conversations about doing this it's such an excuse to have just like trap somebody for an hour it is best
0: reason (laughs) it's so good yeah no I love it but no that's basically the the main platforms I'd encourage people to have have a a little look at wonderful yeah
1: all right, fantastic. Well, thank you so much for joining me on the uh, the, the show today. Uh, I'd love to do this at some point again in the future because you're always busy, you're always doing stuff, you're always uh, moving forward and changing and growing. So I think um, there'll definitely be uh, an opportunity, I hope, to talk to you again on, on the show at some point in the not-too-far-away future.
0: 100%. There's so much we could talk about, I think. So, um, yeah, let's do it. Let's fix a date at some point. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Wonderful. Brilliant. Thank you Brilliant. for having Sounds me. great. All right. Thank you so much for joining me today, Abby. My pleasure. All right. a pleasure. Nice to speak to you. Take care. Take care. Bye. Hello. Welcome back. Did you enjoy the episode? I'd love to know, as always, Abby, I'm sure, would love to know as well. All you need to do is just drop us a message uh, on Instagram, Facebook, email me at matthew at DistanceHiker.com. Or perhaps uh, rate or like the show, subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts from. All of those things support, help support the show, and just let you know keep me egged on because I love I love doing this. Um, but podcasting is a very silent pursuit. Um, you know, people listen to it very passively. When you're in the car, you're driving, and things like that. So it's not like YouTube where you get the comments and things. Um, but uh, when I do get those comments, it makes my day. So um, I'm fishing for them here. I'd love to hear from you. It'd be so nice to hear from you. Anyway. That's it for today. That concludes today's show. Really, really hope you enjoyed it. Enjoyed it, sorry. Um, there will be uh, a little bit of a delay in the release of next uh, the, the next fortnight's episode. I might do it on the Monday just because I'm actually away for two weeks now and I might not have time to get it out before I, but, but when I get back. So it may be out on the Monday uh, in a fortnight from now. But anyway, um, thanks again for listening. As always, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. And I look forward to sharing another guest of you in a couple of weeks' time. But whatever you're doing with the rest of your day, I hope it's a good one. And I'll see you soon. Goodbye.